Okay, ladies, it is summertime. The sun is shining, the beaches are calling, and the barbecues are on fire. But do you think to yourself, all of those fun activities, how can I stay consistent with my health and my workouts this summer? Most women struggle to stay consistent with their health during the summertime, and that's okay, right? The days are getting longer. We finally have had a little bit of freedom in our lives. The weather's nicer, and suddenly we have a million things to do. Enter the stress-free summer. It is here to help you. It is my 66-day challenge that will help you to stay on track this summer, no matter what life throws you. The stress-free summer will show you how to be consistent, how to harness the power of small changes so you stop asking yourself, is it working? You'll just know and you will also stop wondering, WTF, what do I eat? And finally, have a healthy living process that will make getting healthy feel easy. Make this the first change of your summer. Instead of telling yourself you need to exercise more and eat less, bring your food to the neighborhood barbecue. Now's the time that we get some results by keeping it simple. So join me for the stress-free summer. It is our 60, it's my signature 66-day challenge that you won't want to miss. Welcome to the Fit Girl Magic Podcast. If you are ready to find your inner magic, develop great habits, and a rock-steady mindset to feel confident, comfortable, and fit in your body, you are in the right place. I am Kim Barnes-Jefferson, and I'll be giving you weekly doses of health, fitness, and life tips sprinkled with humor and real talk. If you're ready to be consistent without the stress of perfection, magic makers, it's time to slip into your favorite pair of PJs, grab some coffee, kick back, and listen to today's show. All right, magic makers, I had another great conversation today. Today, I talked with Miss Carrie Severson, and she has written an amazing book that everyone should get their hands on. It's called Unapologetically Enough. I mean, just mic drop right there. You know, so many of us, you know, especially in, you know, this season of our life, many of us, we've grew up and we're just always wondering, filling ourselves, are we, are we enough? Are we good enough moms? Are we good enough employees? Are we good enough spouses, partners, girlfriends, whatever you are in your life? And I really loved the conversation. We hit so many topics today. We talked about, you know, how do we redefine success for ourselves? You know, I know that I, every 10 years, I revisit where I am in my life and do, do I like being where I am? You know, do you take the five hot minutes to decide what it is that you truly want out of your life? We talked a lot about boundaries and this one has been, you know, a game changer for Carrie and she talks deeply about how she was able to set up those boundaries and that, that actually that's how we kick off the call. But we you know, we we talk about how do we set up these boundaries because it's the boundaries that are really going to help set us up for success in our lives and stop blowing ourselves off. You know, she talks about 90-day soul contracts where she sits down and decides like what area of her life is she going to zero in and focus in for the next 90 days and As you know, I'm really big into the power of one thing, right? Instead of us flitting and flirting from here to here to here, if we just zeroed in on one thing, that would be that chief domino, that thing that would knock things down. Ooh la la, what could happen? 
And, you know, we talk about resiliency, so many great topics here. Her book is absolutely fabulous. You know, she has a lot of great stories in there that I feel that so many of you can resonate with, you know, maybe you've experienced yourself, maybe you can just be just have the empathy of like, you know what, I can't imagine that being me, but I'm, you're grateful for like the decisions that it led her to make. So have a listen and really tell me what you think. Actually, and also be sure to reach out to Carrie. If there was a story in there that resonated with you, hit her up. All her socials are going to be uh, in the show notes. So you can just reach out to her, follow her on all the social media platforms. All right, have a listen and enjoy the rest of the day. Hey, Magic Makers. It's this week's iTunes review. Amy W. Fitness says, Kim knows her stuff, keeps it real on all levels five stars. Awesome podcast series on relatable topics that women deal with. Kim's advice, along with her sense of humor, is what everyone needs to find their fit girl magic. Well, thank you so much, Amy W. Fitness. That warms my heart. If you haven't yet left your review, please head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and hit rate. And then hopefully it's a five star hint and leave me a review. Thanks. All right, magic makers, you know me, I am all about finding inspirational women to bring to the show. And Miss Carrie Severson is that person, you know, her book is called unapologetically enough. Now let's just drop mic drop boom, right there. (laughs) All of us just need to embrace that before we even even open the crack the cover of this book, because we are. Uh, one of the, you know, I, I just spread read her book. And one of the things that was in her book that I'm just like, this woman is a badass was that a gentleman told her that she was too old to have a baby. And yeah. I'm like, who the fuck do you think you are? And, <laughs> it, it, it didn't even happen to me. And that's what Carrie said to that guy. Yeah, I did. And, it, that was a, that was an experience for sure. And I just was like, when I read that in her book, I'm like, okay, like she was already booked. And I was like, oh, sure, we need to have a conversation because <laughs> like, I, you know, so many other women could have that make meaning yep. in so many different ways. Yeah. When it happened, um, I just, I mean, I, I've dated a lot. I dated a lot in my twenties before I launched, before I became an entrepreneur. And so I just started getting back into the dating scene and, um, yeah, that was like our second or third date. I can't remember, maybe our fourth. And he said it and he said it in such a factual way that, and this has happened to me before when something I, I know is going to be profound happens to me. It's almost like it hangs in front of me. Like there's this fog and it did. I was like, this is your story. I can literally see it. There's this veil. I have the opportunity of either walking into it and claiming that or, turning away from it. So I turned away from it as soon as I could. I got up, found my purse, walked out of his house, didn't even look back. And he was like talking to me and trying to like, let's do this again. And I was like, Oh, uh, hell no. I, I have to leave <laughs> like right now. And, um, the writing community has always been incredibly supportive, like more supportive than the entrepreneurship community. Yes. I find the writing community. Mm. So I was in this, um, huge group of writers worldwide. And that night, or maybe the next day that experience got to me, like all of the what ifs and all of the self-doubt and all the crap that I let get in 
What if he's right? What if, you know, Mm. whatever, what if I chased my career for too long and I did miss this opportunity, blah, blah, blah. I let all of that sort of sink in. And I turned to my writing community as my like anthem. And I was like, ladies, this just happened to me. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to write about me, my experience and being a 37 year old entrepreneur, unmarried, no kids. And that was it. I like turned my phone off, went to bed. Um, (laughs) It did the next day, women from all over the world were like, that's my story. This is happening to me. You know, I could, I, this could have been my post on and on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments. And it was a turning point in my life for sure. And, um, it was actually that date, that bad date (laughs) got me into writing for a national woman's outlet because one of the comments was like an editor for a national woman's magazine who was like, that this is my story. I want to help you turn it into an essay. Give me a call. And that projected me onto a very different career path into a very different experience. And what ultimately is the second half of unapologetically enough. Yeah. And so before you, you know, you said you were in this community of writers and, you know, I, you know, read your journey, how like, you know, you are in like, like most of us become entrepreneurs, a soul sucking job. And you're (laughs) always like daydreaming of like the next Mm -hmm. iteration of it. And so were you, and I, and I know you, you took a couple different um, events, but did you ever think you'd be a writer? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, actually when I, so I went to school for journalism ah. and I, um, I knew at 19 writing for the school newspaper about covering fires and like <laughs> cop stories and stuff. I was like, I'm not a journalist. I want to sit and I want to tell, like, I'm concerned about the person I'm writing about. I want to like tell their story. I want it to like unfold. Right. I, um, I'm not a good journalist, but I'm a really good writer. I'm right. a good essayist. So you didn't want to be on the side of the road with a notepad. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So I've always, I've always been a writer. I've freelanced, but um, nothing, I had never reached that level of national outlets mm. until that date. Right. So there was something that sort of opened for me there and I went through it and ran, you know, never really looks back. Well, I think because like you said, you, you know, you, you wrote this thinking like who, who else experienced this? Yeah. And if you think about how many of us, you know, have gone on those dates that mm-hmm. you're like, someone just says something to you that is just like the most jacked up thing. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, like, I gotta go. Is this the first time you've ever, like in your mind you're like this is the first time you've ever said this to anybody? Right. And then and how many of us don't have the gumption to like get up and leave? Yeah, not only did I get up and leave, I felt I owed it to myself. This is sort of actually unapologetic. My unapologetic voice started coming out of me then right. and I just didn't know it. Actually, he called a couple of days later and he's like, I'd love to see you again. And I was like, sure, I'll go to dinner with you. And so I went out to dinner with them. And before we even ordered, I was like, I have to tell you something. What you said was incredibly inappropriate. You don't have a right to say that to any woman. And I stood up for myself and right. um, shut it down. And I was so proud to do that, to like- right claim that. And I was nervous. I was like, this isn't confrontation. I'm not defending my life to you, right? but, um, I'm not claiming your stories as mine. Right. It was yeah, pretty good. I love that. <laughs> no. And, and I like what you just said. And I think for two on two on twofold one, many times like people say like fucked up shit to us and we just let them get away with it. Mm-hmm. 
And then others, yep. because we think it's confrontational. But what if I truly said that to you and I didn't know that it was fucked up? Mm-hmm. So yeah. now, you know, it, it just kind of like, be like, huh, maybe I shouldn't be telling this to women or whatever, whatever the conversation happens to be. And I think a lot of us shy away from hard conversations. Yeah, totally. Um, for me, it was a, it was a boundary. It was a threshold that uh, being asked why I never had kids, why, you know, oh, you're right. an entrepreneur, you must not want a family or you're too business focused or your work, you know, I, it was a boundary I had to create for myself and um, use my voice and sort of find a, you know, a, a, a stake in yeah. my love life for myself. Yeah. And it was a very powerful experience. No, I, and I, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, women listening here, like maybe someone has said something like that to you and maybe you can't have the opportunity to like go back and say, you know, that really rocked me yeah, <laughs> and not in a good way. Or maybe the next conversation that happens, you can say, you know what, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can't make, especially when someone makes a judgment that maybe you didn't, don't have kids, you don't have kids because it's just, you don't want to be a mommy. Right. And does that make you a bad person? Right. Or maybe you're like, you know what? I didn't want to be a single mom. I went, I'm looking for the right person. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to settle for someone just because I want to have a baby at 25. Yeah. I used to say that I was asked that question so much. I should have had like it laminated and like stuck in my pocket and just like flat, like whipped it out. Right. And continue doing what I was doing, you know, drink, have a drink, eat some dinner. It was like, it was asked me that often that when yeah. I wasn't asked, I was like, is this guy serious? <laughs> right. But, um, the man I ended up marrying, um, we, he never asked, he never, it was never a topic of conversation. Um, he, I don't know why it was just like, we fit, we gelled. So I think looking back in hindsight, like all of those things that didn't work out just led me to the guy that accepted it for my journey, for what it was and who I was and what I had to offer and what I didn't have to offer. And it's worked out for the best. Yeah. And I, you know, I think, you know, as we kind of navigate life, you know, there are those like red flags Mm -hmm. that one, do we identify it as a red flag or Do we fall into the, I can fix it. Oh yeah. Category. And you know, you're, you know, if you're going to be unapologetic about your life, you have to just see the red flag for what it is and move. Have the guts to do it. The piece for me, um, and all the dating was the, like, I'm not enough. I was in that dating space and whoever I was dating, was the person I was like dedicated to because I didn't think, you know, no one else wanted me. And so there was, especially my early twenties, um, a lot of that jazz, a lot yeah. of that trash that I carried. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I, you know, I, it's funny cause I was just talking to a woman about, um, navigating, uh, helping kids navigate adolescence. And if you think about it in our twenties, like we're just, we, we're just kind of figuring out who the hell we are. And mm-hmm. then, you know, if you also pair on top of it, that like all the pressure you might put on yourself that, that by this age, I'm going to have, you know, have this type of career. And then by this age, I'll be married. And by this age, 
And it, you know, sometimes forces us to make not the best decisions because yep. we're still trying to, we're trying to like, you know, fall into these, you know, crazy benchmarks that we've set up for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So that, um, that day created, uh, I worked with an editor, I wrote it for red book. And then one of the pieces that we were looking at is at the time, and this was like 2015, 2016, there were all these pop-up networks around the country that were organizing uh, IVF fertility doctors. And like, mm-hmm. you could gather your girlfriends and call a doctor and somebody would come out to your house and talk to you about, you know, IVF. And uh, so that made it into part of the article. Oh, nice. And I made a decision at that time that I was like, if I don't meet him by, if I don't meet the guy I want to have kids with by X date, I'm going to preserve my fertility. I'm going to put myself through this. I will, you know, do the egg thing. And I moved from, I moved from a place of fear because of that mm-hmm. experience and put myself through two rounds of IVF. Both of them failed oh. and it was pretty horrific. And I got really sick. My body just could not take the, the drugs. It couldn't take the injection. Yeah. It sort it rejected it. Um, I wound up bedridden um, for, I don't know, probably six, seven months. Wow. And in my healing process, I had to really go back and sort of accept all of the decisions I made that led Mm. me to that space and really come to terms with the fact that um, I was enough in that date. I was enough after the date. I was enough when I made the decision to get IVF. I didn't have to do it. I decided to do it. And there was all of these sort of, um, and have like all of these, like come to Jesus conversations all at the same time with myself on like own your stuff yeah, and take accountability for why you're here. Um, and that, uh, those pieces are landing really strongly with a lot of advanced readers, especially in, in my age bracket who have experienced infertility and fertility and playing with that, um, space of, do I want to be a mom? Do I not want to be a mom? Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because I, I loved how you said that, um, just owning your decisions. And I think yeah. for a lot of us, we feel that some decisions are outside of us that mm-hmm. there we can't have control. Mm-hmm. And Or it's on the other flip side, you know, especially when it comes to fertility, we feel like we're the driver that, you know, like, I'm going to get pregnant by this age and by this date, and this is what's going to happen. And then your body's like, uh, uh-uh. uh, <clears throat> right. We got a different timeline. Yeah. My husband, um, was married before and he has three children. And so when I look at what I did manifest into my life, I manifested a husband, three kids and a gold, crazy golden doodle, like all at the same time. <laughs> and yeah. And so in that article I wrote, I was like, I do remember writing, I will become a mom someday. It doesn't, I, it'll, because I, that's something I deeply want in my heart, Right. how that happens. I have no control over. And right. so relinquishing the control of that, I think opened up avenues for all of these different opportunities. When I met Gavin, my husband, um, I knew by the second date, he was the guy I was going to marry. Right. And we've been, uh, we're a COVID couple. We've been, we've been married for a couple of years now, but um, yeah, being a bonus mom is just a bonus. And so, 
yeah, things worked out. It's amazing. But the boundaries I put in place for myself, that concept of being unapologetic has been brewing inside of me for so long that I now look at all of the things I went through right, um, as my opportunity to write this book. Yeah. Cause it's like, if, if I go back to the very first chapter of the book and you talked about you, you met this woman and you weren't sure how the pieces were going to fit by, you know, but you had got her name and you're like, you know what? I feel like I should call her. Right. And you know, you, you didn't know why you're just like, I had a feeling. Yeah. You're like, I don't know why, but I'm going to call her and let's see what happens. And that was kind of for you. That was like, you know, if this was like a volcano, this was kind of like the first like mini eruption of really unpacking you. Yeah. Understanding my intuition. I call her angel Angie. Yeah. I was like getting my eyebrows waxed. My esthetician was like, um, I just learned about this thing called the law of attraction. And I was like, what's that? And, uh, anyway, so I found myself like, uh, really curious and, um, and, you know, uh, yeah, just curious. And so calling her led to this un- just un- uh, uncovering of all these different things I never experienced before or heard of before, um, playing around with the idea that I can control my energy and that's pretty much it. I can control my reactions. Right. I can, um, find peace within, I can make decisions based on how I feel and this internal intuition, this like internal GPS system, turn that on and watch that go. And yeah, that was so fun. Yeah. And uh, I, and I like that. Cause I think until you let go mm-hmm. and, and just kind of really sort of think about like, what is it that I truly want? Can you get to that unapologetic place? Right. I don't think so. I think, um, at least I didn't, when I look back right now, I'm looking back and I'm like, wow, I met, I met Angie. I started to learn the concept of intuition, the concept of managing my energy when I was 28. I'm um, going to be 44 here soon. And, um, she actually helped me figure out what it, what the like deeper calling in my heart was for. I became an entrepreneur. I ran after some dreams and I experienced burnout because I couldn't handle the demand. And I didn't know I I was consumed with my career and I let that become my identity. I lost all concept of balance, but I knew how to do it before I burned out. Um, And every time I've experienced this unbalanced uh, even calling it burnout. I think, I, f- I think experiencing the IVF failure and the bedriddenness, I feel like that is still considered burnout because I was so broken, but just in a different way. So do you feel like the burnout happened before the IVF or the IVF, IVF is when you kind of finally said something's happening here? So uh, burnout happened before my like immune system was definitely not healthy. Mm-hmm. And then I think my body just couldn't handle the fertility drugs. So it was kind of like, it was on its way to yeah. this like place that, mm-hmm. and, and do you think because you were so like driven, like these are all the things I must do that you were just like, body, you just take a, you take a seat. Yeah, no, <laughs> I just, up. yep, absolutely. And whenever I've gotten off kilter or something has happened where I just, I can't function, 
it's because I've lost sense of my intuition. I've lost sense of my internal peace. I've lost sense mm-hmm. of my like deeper knowingness yeah. of being unapologetically enough, even before I knew what that idea was. Yeah. Um, everything is sort of way off balance. I'm yeah. way too, you know, way too on the right versus the left or vice versa. And yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, as you described that, I, I, I see a lot of people is that, you know, like you just said, I had to let go. And mm-hmm. I think so many of us get so caught up into how in our mind we think it needs to be that like, mm-hmm. it's all the pieces like line up here and, yeah. you know, life, I wish were like a puzzle, <laughs> but sometimes it's like Jenga. Yeah. It's so hard to do that. Right. To let go. And even the idea, um, I remember that being taught that when in my twenties and my thirties, that just let go, just let it go. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Right. But now in hindsight, (laughs) when I get the feeling that I have to go, 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 and I can't stop or I forget to breathe past my chest or Mm. it's four in the afternoon and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a kid at school and you know, Gavin's off somewhere and I, and you're like, oh yeah, I got to pick them up. (laughs) Yeah. When that happens, I'm like, all right, I need to take a breath tomorrow. The stuff on my plate has to wait for another couple of days. And I actually, I will take like mental health breaks. I will, I've gotten good at recognizing the gear up to, um, be enough balance that I don't let myself go down that rabbit hole too far anymore. I really do know how to balance it. And it's so fascinating that I have to remind myself now, you know, the concept of being unapologetically enough for me is like a moment to moment day to day decision where anything I choose to be that day, anything I choose to do that day is unapologetically enough on the days that I am running too hard. I'm pushing stuff. That's okay. I know that's who I am. I know I'm capable of that. But on the days that I choose to lean back and relax, those days are great too. And I have to remind myself that it's okay to not do everything all at the same time. It's okay to, it's healthy. It's actually really important for me to take space, to allow the universe to do its thing so I can receive to do the next thing. And that took a lot of practice. You know, I love how you just said that one, unapologetic, the definition shifts all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, and I love that because I think I actually, I know we all like want this structure, like we crave structure and like, we want it to be like, you know, a mad lip, like, you know, put an adverb here and then put a noun here so that it just all makes sense. But like you just said, like some days you're, you need the mental health and some days it's like, Hey, sitting here and reading a book all day, that's just what I need. Yeah. And I'm not going to apologize that I read a book today or yep. some, some days you're like, you know what? I got it in me. I can go hard and yeah. and just and start to just get shit done. Yeah. And I think so many of us feel like we can't honor like the natural like rhythms that we have that it's, yeah. it's like we're either here or we're here. Totally. That's and, a great point. And for many of us, we go here, like, you know, if we're a car, we're like pushing ourselves to like the red line all the time. And then when our car breaks, we're like, what the hell happened? <laughs> yeah. I know burnout. Um, I was talking to somebody a while ago. So I, for me, I started writing this book eight years ago. And if I would have published it back then when I was first experiencing all this jazz, um, 
I don't think it would have landed the way that it is now. Yeah. I mean, advanced readers are calling it like a mental health must have a self-love like tool. Um, in the back of the book, I share exercises. I actually put I myself through to really redefine what success meant for me and redefine what self-love meant for me. Because on the days that I didn't get an accolade, I wasn't mentioned on the news. Mm. I wasn't featured in something. I felt like failure Right on the, on the days that I um, didn't work out. I didn't pamper myself. I didn't treat mm. myself. I didn't acknowledge myself. I felt like I wasn't sharing or showing myself love, or I wasn't lovable, or there were these things that I had to really redefine. And um, yeah, I'm so grateful that the time really does feel ripe for something like this, particularly, yeah, after Rona. (laughs) Yep. Because of the number of, yeah, the parenting COVID um, burnout is here, just being overly burnt out in general with life. Like, oh my God, it's time to retool it. Yeah. Well, and what I liked about it, you know, like, you know, like, oh, it took me eight years. And it's like, I feel like for the way the book unfolds is that like you had like new chapters in your life, yeah. you know? So like it was your, you know, even though as your life was unfolding, you know, you probably were just like, this is just my life, I'm just doing my life. And as I'm reading through the book, it was like, you know, it started with just kind of getting aware. And I think for many women, we won't take the five minutes to call a, a woman like Angie to say like, what's this all about? Or even five minutes to be like, what do I want? Yeah. What do I want out of this life? Yeah. I needed help figuring that out. And yeah. um, I think a lot of folks uh, are afraid of that or yes. Um, what's so fascinating is this is how my life has unfolded. So uh, I call my twenties, like, my bandwagon phase. I just like jumped from one thing to another, trying to fill this void I felt in my heart. And I went, I decided to do horseback riding as a void filler. I love horses and I got into an accident. Um, and so I ended up in the physical therapist office one day and she's like, your hips are messed up. You really should start doing hot yoga so that I can massage and get in really deep. And so I found myself in a hot yoga class, which was also part of the bandwagon phase. And this woman leans over my first day in class and she's like, why are you here? Are you here for a spiritual awakening? And I was like, I don't know what that is, but yes, I'll sign up for that too. Right. I'm here for my ups. Yeah. I went from horses to hot yoga to the corner of the new age section in Barnes and Noble (laughs) and um, sitting on the floor, reading everything I could. And it was in that space of my life that I met Angie. So had those things not lined up, I probably wouldn't have been even aware enough to take pause and be like, I feel this void in my life is something I need to uncover, discover, figure out, and stuff isn't going to fill it. I need to ask myself questions. I don't know the answers to, I just don't know what questions to ask. Right. Or just feel like I need to sit into this uncomfortableness. Yeah, totally. Versus trying to fill it. And take a pause, you know, like, I feel like, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my readers, they're like type A plus plus. And as you mentioned, you know, if I wasn't getting accolades, like, you know, so in the social media world, if my posts weren't getting likes or comments or, you know, my boss didn't tell me good job today, or, you know, I didn't get any type of feedback, then it was a bad day. Yeah. 
yeah, something didn't click. And it, yeah, I totally resonate with that. That was me too. As an entrepreneur, my first business was um, a nonprofit, a bullying solutions organization for girls. And I launched it right as girl on girl bullying became like an international hotspot. Right. And um, I was on the news. I was on stages. I was, you know, talking to big networks and making partnerships and flying around the country. And that was exhausting emotionally, mentally, physically. And when I finally stopped, it took so long to recalibrate without that um, carrot. It really was like this thing would happen right? and it would give me permission or like something would click and I would just keep running at it to get another one. And yeah, it's yeah. kind of like why, you know, if you think about like why people like gambling, right? You know, you're always looking for that quick dopamine hit that like yep. is like, all right, if I pull the handle one more time, I'm going to get the three cherries. Yeah. And redefining what success meant for me meant that I had to create boundaries, hard boundaries, put, yeah. in, put those in place and um, say no a lot. And yes. um, I started putting timelines, like time mm. limits on myself. I didn't take meetings before 10. I didn't take meetings after four. Um, Sometimes I would take Fridays off. Like I really blocked off space for me. And that was something I had to stay committed to. Uh, I still do it. I take Fridays off. I have like 12 to one every day as my lunch hour. Um, Some of those practices are still things that I use today. Yeah. You know, I, and one of the big things that I really, um, liked about the book was that and I think it's a in the back of the book you have um it's just also an exercise about redefining success yeah and what I liked about it is that with the redefining success we might be still like having old programming Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, programming that, you know, I remember when I was in high school and my mom's like, you got to go to college and got to get a good job and that, and that's going to be success. And then when you get that job, then it's like, you know, you want to have, you know, promotions and, you know, reach this level by this age. And, and I think nowadays parents still kind of fall into that category where they're like, you know, you got to go to college. And now it's like, you have to get a master's degree, like right after you go to college, and then, you know, then start your, your life. And I think for you, like you said, it's like, how do you take that pause to say, what is it that I want? Like, like, where am I, you know, at the end of my life, and or not even at the end of my life, I think so many of us think something I commit to right now is something that I'm that, you know, who knows, five years from now, you'd be like, I don't know if I want to be a book publisher anymore. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you want to go back to horses. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I remember nowadays redefining success for me uh, is all about my feeling. It's not about input output. It's mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it is a little bit like if I, if I wake up that day and I feel like I've got it in me today, I want to accomplish these things and I'll give myself like three tasks versus right. like 20 that I used to. Exactly. If I'm like, I can write a blog, I can reach out to this person, I can post something. And if I do those things, which are fairly easy for me as a writer, right? that's great. I It's not because I accomplish them. It's because I feel uh, good. And if I don't choose to do anything else that day, that's, a, that's okay. That's a successful day for me. So now my definition of success is how I feel each day. 
Whereas um, before it was, especially running a nonprofit, it was how much money did we get that day? Who did we pitch? And I actually remember talking to a donor uh, who was like, you know, they asked me, how do you define your business as successful? And I'm like, I said, it's by the number of lives we impact and the way we feel. And he actually thought it was uh, unprofessional to not associate a dollar amount with the concept of success. And um, that I remember feeling really shitty in that moment and pretty gross about, yeah, I don't want to do business with you because I know I'd be constantly chasing your dollar and never feeling fulfilled or never feeling like it was enough. And you know, what's so funny when you said that to me, I was like, I'm like, you know what? I looked at it as refreshing because, you know, it's like, and you know, most people like, oh, I want to raise, you know, a million dollars a year. And, you know, where for what you're doing, you're like, it's all about the girls and, you know, helping them feel safe and secure. Yeah. And so it, and I, that, I I find that interesting given what you were, what your nonprofit was about. That's in alignment with the nonprofit. Right. If if you were, I don't, even, you know, a nonprofit in my mind, it's all about mission and purpose, right? Dollars are necessary, but you know, it's everyone has it's a mission and a purpose driven. Like if you wanted yeah. it to to be a profit business, you would do something else. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Nowadays, I run, I do run a hybrid publishing house, and I do have a quota that I meet for the number of books, the number of books we publish. Um, but for me, it's not, um, I more than doubled the quota last year. And so I'm okay. Easing back, uh, what I realized moving forward, moving into our third year of business is I'm interested in publishing. I want to be connected, more connected to the, the books that we publish versus saying yes to everybody. And that's right. And hitting the number. Right. Um, in your books, I mean, your book is, I'm going to call your book a hybrid, right? I think of it as more of like memoir slash self-development personal development um so are you more into that that space is it fiction you know can it be any genre come to you so um we published the the publishing house is called the the unapologetic voice house and we publish books written about or by strong female voices characters so fiction or nonfiction I am because of my background in journalism I'm really fascinated by nonfiction stories, business development stories, personal development stories. That's mm-hmm. sort of um, my sweet spot. I know how to develop those books and how to pitch those books. I know how to um, even help the authors of those books, because as you put all your stuff down on paper and you put it out into the world, there's so much, there's a ton of mindset work that actually has to go along with that. Oh God. Yeah. Um, and I'm really good at that because I've done it for so long, but yeah. So two points, my book is a hybrid between memoir and self-help. And then, um, I'm really interested in publishing nonfiction books for other women. Um, we've done fiction, but moving forward, you know, this could be the kind of turning point for the business overall, depending on how successful, um, how many women reach out and, you know, enjoy my book. Well, I'm going to tell you that um, I sped read it, but I'm going to go back and read it again. But in, in my speed reading, there are a lot of really good points that I think 
a lot of women can resonate with, you know, like we kicked it off with, with that date, but we also, you know, we, we also talked about like you bounced around in your twenties. Who didn't bounce around in your twenties? Hell, who might not still be bouncing around trying to find their group? Their thing, right. Right. And I think, you know, now I think it's also a good time for it to come out because everyone talks about the great, you know, resignation where, you know, COVID made us really think about a lot of things. Yeah. You know, we had a lot of like, that's the slowest life it's ever going to get for, for many of us. Let's be honest. Yep. And it made us really think about like, is this my life? Right. There was a lot of like breaking, breaking, um, I breakthroughs, breaking apart. Um, yeah. Just overall breaks. And, you know, you analyze friendships, who have you come back together with? Who haven't you? Why haven't you? Right. Everyone sort of, you know, hopefully evolved and is able to, yeah, use a couple of exercises in here to reshape where they're going. I can tell you as an entrepreneur, as I was newly married, well, actually our wedding was originally supposed to be April of 2020 and it got shut down and we got, I know 32 days before the event, it got shut down. We had five different wedding dates and eventually as I'm living with my husband, part-time with his kids, uh, doing virtual learning and, um, you know, my living room was like a makeshift preschool. Right. I looked at him one morning and I was like, I'm going to rent a house in the middle of nowhere. I'm going to ask somebody to meet us on a patio and you and I are getting married. Cause I'm not doing this anymore. I'm married. And so we sent out a zoom invite. We're like, we're getting hitched. Here's a zoom link. And, um, that's how it happened in September of 2020. Uh, but managing all those things, plus the grief and the, you know, the craziness of COVID, um, I'm actually very impressed that I personally didn't go back into burnout because I yeah. know what that feeling is. And for some reason, uh, that I just had such strong boundaries during that time where it was like a time limit, like super, super structured. That was the way I had to get through it. And I turned to this book as my creative outlet and it by December of 2020, I knew, okay, I'm going to launch the sucker. Here we go. Good. So I, I like a lot of, I think women in America created a, a creative outlet for myself right. during those times. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I want to touch back on boundaries. Um, and I, what, you know, do you feel like you were always someone who set boundaries? Oh God, no, <clears throat> no, no, no. And, you know, going, yeah, I was in coach, you know, coaches, professional development, whatever. And people would say boundaries. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. I would be at a coffee shop and a man that I had a bad date with would walk in. I would literally get my stuff and leave, or I would block people versus like have confrontational, like block right. people on my phone versus having the hard conversation. My boundaries actually started with that date, I felt like this was the start of it. And I learned how to do it after that. So yeah. now I have really strong boundaries in sort of all aspects of my life. And when I feel one wobble, um, my coach uses, I love the word wobble. She uses yeah. that when it's like, eh, it needs some work. Um, I, I call up my coach. We have like a little session on why it's wobbling, why I have resistance, having the conversation. What is it that really needs to be said? Yeah. And I, find the highest resolution, uh, through that conversation versus, you know, in my twenties, when I would be in 
spaces that I needed to set a boundary in, I would flee or fight where yeah. now I feel like I've learned how to be sort of managed or balanced in that space. Yeah. But yeah, no, that took me into my late thirties to figure out. Cause I, you know, I, um, I talked a lot with my clients about boundaries and, you know, especially I do a lot of work with weight loss and I, and a lot of their boundary about time. And, you know, if you say that, you know, you said you have a fixed lunch hour, 12 to one, boom, like you don't, unless it's like a burning emergency, right? you protect that time. And, you know, I always talk about like, you need to have that as a boundary. Like, you know, this is my workout time and share it with your family. And it's not like, it's not love. It's just like, I need this hour for me, like, or yeah. this 30 minutes or this 15 minutes, what, however much you want to carve out, but set, you know, use that as a way to kind of start to set yourself boundaries. But, yeah. you, but, you know, as women, we like to like take on all the emotional things Stuff. where, you know, like, oh, well, you know, if I don't, if I work out at five, then dinner doesn't start till seven and, you know, my family will starve. And I was like, no one else can boil water, make some spaghetti. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I am. Um, I do dance class every morning at 9am. And even if I can't get to a dance class, I still have it out in my calendar at 9am and I will go for a walk. I'll do something. Right. My husband knows that, um, I'm not That's available. Time. Yep. And same thing. I'll be in dance class and the instruction won't start on time or won't end on time. And I, if it goes after I'm out, like yeah. it is, that's how, that's how structured I am right now. And it feels really good to have that space. And when there's, there's moments where I feel like on the opposite side, I don't want to be here. I want to leave. What time is it? Oh my God. I'm totally not into this. Right. And yet I'll have to remind myself, this is one of the ways I am putting myself first. I'm working on my mental health right now. I'm working on my self-love um, my self-care, this is, it's okay to do this for myself. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I tell people like, yeah, they're like, you know, does that happen to you? I'm like, yeah, there are many days that I want to blow myself off. (laughs) Yeah. And then I like, I check myself. I was like, now maybe, like you said, maybe if it's, I don't feel like going to dance class, but I'm still going to do some Something. Yeah. Yeah. So it might be, I'm going to go for a walk. It might be, I might foam roll. It might be, I stretch, but it's something that is me focused. Yep. And I always feel better afterwards. That's what I have to remember. Remind myself. Yeah. I also be like, you know, no one skips to the gym. No one's like, yeah, I'm going to the gym today. I mean, there are those people out there. So rock, rock on with your bad self. But for the most of us, we're like, I mean, I go to the gym at five, three in the morning. So Let's be honest. I am not skipping out of bed at five thirty. The alarm goes off, and I'm like, "It's cold. It's dark, but I'm gonna go." Yeah, I live in the desert. I live in Scottsdale, and so um, now my dog she she's getting older, but she used to be that like up your alarm clock. Yep, I want to leave. I want to go. I want to go, and so it was much easier to get out of the house and go for a walk first thing. Now I have to like, like you know, go down and hug her and like. It's time like, to get up. We got to get out of the house. Cajole her into a walk. Yeah, yeah. Early in the morning. But um, yeah, there's a couple of things that I like to do even before. Uh, my big thing is like, I like to have my coffee by mm. myself. I like to yes. meditate in the morning. I'll listen to like inspirational or high vibrational music, take her for a walk and then come home. And like, I've got that space, even though it's not a hard walk, I may have gotten a couple thousand steps in, but right. my heart rate probably isn't up. It's my time with myself, internal system, 
Yep. And then I started to turn it on for everybody else where I'm like, all right, breakfast mode, lunches, right. you know, yeah. like now I can care about you. Like, yeah, <laughs> I've had, I've had a few moments to like fire up the engines. Yeah. Put myself first. Right. And I really do. I think there's a conversation for women a lot of times around the concept of like putting yourself first. Is it selfish? Self-care, blah, blah, blah. That's why I was really focused around the concept of self-love versus self-care yeah. because self-care has always been something that for me, it was, um, I had to pamper myself. I had to buy something I had to, it was something that I let everybody else do for me. It was massages and manicures right. and pedicures and getting my hair done or whatever, buying a new dress. I deserve those things. That's what I was telling myself where now self-love is, um, some like saying yes to this, uh, right putting on, um, a clean shirt, like, right. Exactly. Taking a shower. Right. Yeah. It it doesn't have to be much of anything. I actually learned the idea of self-love bedridden where I couldn't move my body. And all that was, was me giving myself permission to take a nap Mm. and allowing my mind to sort of wander to, I, when I was bedridden, I would pretend that like I was giving every cell in my body a hug. Yeah. because I hurt so badly. And I was loving myself so intensely during those moments because nobody else could, there was nothing anyone else could help me with. It was literally a matter of time that my body had to heal. Right. But, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with putting ourselves first. I think it's no. incredibly important. And I, I really do hope that more women speak up about it and talk to their friends about it. And yeah, really lean into the idea of loving ourselves intensely mm-hmm. now that we are, you know, where we are right now with society and the pandemic and everything, it's, it's okay to put us first. It, it, it totally is. And it's, you know, it's slowly allowing yourself not to feel that guilt or that shame that, you know, you want 15 minutes for yourself. You know, I tell the story all the time. I have a friend who she's got four kids, a lot of kids and 15 minutes a day, she locks herself in a pantry. And she she sets an egg timer out and her kids know don't, unless like the house is on fire, (laughs) there's like a true emergency. Don't come in. And I was like, you know what? That isn't, that's like, that's, she knows that's what I need. That's what I need. So I don't kill anybody. My husband used to um, lock himself in the bathroom and he would, he would send me this meme where a little kid's hand is underneath the door, like trying to get yes. you. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, I just need 20 minutes. He's a, he, yeah, he, I totally get it. I do the same thing. Now I've barricaded myself in a office where the door is behind here. So even if you open it, you can't get in. And right. Um, I, I, yeah, I, uh, I take space for myself at home too. And they know not to come bother me. Yeah. And you know, and it's like, I think for kids, like they just, you know, you know, they're, they know that you are there for them. Like, right. But you're not there for them. Like, can you tell me where the the pretzels are in the cupboard with the last size they were or so-and-so is touching me or, you know, like you're, you're like, I can't be there for all of that. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it kind of teaches them to like self, um, self, uh, rule. Yeah. We put, um, snacks in the bottom of the fridge so that they can get them themselves that we don't have to do everything for them. Um, uh, yeah. And then the, like the really big, 
uh, a Wii take away con- uh, remote controls. So like oh, there's yeah. no fighting, like when we need space, there's a number of things that we do so that we can have some peace. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. It is everything, but there's a system for everything, you know, and right. having boundaries in all these different areas of our lives is so important. Yeah. And I liked in your, uh, in your book, you have, um, you have, uh, you listed out all the different roles in your yeah. life. And then you, then you wrote like descriptions of like what the roles are. And as it also, you also put the boundaries of that role. And I yeah. thought that was absolutely fabulous. Cause like yeah, a lot of times you see like the wheel of life and you're like, you know, relationships. And I'm like, I loved how, like, especially as an entrepreneur, like I am, you know, I'm the VA. The CEO, yeah. <laughs> I am also the marketing officer. I'm also the sales officer. And so I really liked how you broke out that um, in the book. Yeah. That was something that came to me as I was healing um, from IVF. I was like, um, <clears throat> I call them soul contracts where I was like, I'm the CEO of me, my life, but I wholeheartedly give over my love life to my CHO, my chief heart officer. Right. And I created these like contracts with different parts of my life where um, it was really weird. And like uh, the CHO is in charge of my dating life, whatever right. I get asked out, I'm going to say, yes, these are the things I promised to do, blah, blah, blah. Um, what's so funny is I focused on one area of my life for like 90 days at a time. Yeah. And at the end of 2017, I, my heart was, my love life was the last one. I, 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 as I felt better and I was being able to stand up and walk and kind of get my health back, uh, my, my heart was like the last one. And I gave myself a 90 day soul contract with, between me and my heart. And I met my husband like three mm-hmm. days after that 90 day ended. It was like very that. powerful. All those things are just like, yes, personal development, ways to look at yourself and form better relationships with yourself. Yeah. I'm and, all about it. Well, cause it all starts with yourself because if I feel better about myself, that's, you know, that's to get a little woo here, but that's the energy I put out. Like that's yeah. the, that's the force field that attracts absolutely the, what I want into my life. And if I'm feeling like crap, then crap is going to come to me exactly. like a magnet. Yep. Totally. I, um, a hundred percent, uh, I've manifested so many amazing things and I think, um, I, I'm so grateful for the opportunities that I've had and knowing the power that I, um, of understanding what the concept of being enough and being unapologetic in those pieces now living those out fully loudly, um, with this book finally dropping this month. Uh, I'm really excited to see what happens next. (laughs) Yeah. And so am I, you know, and, you know, to, to wrap this uh, interview, what I really liked about it is that, um, I journal a lot too. And I've never looked back on my journals. I think maybe like a handful of times. And I loved how you, you know, grabbed excerpts from various, um, ahas, if you will, in your life and you put them into the book. Um, and I think that's fabulous. And I, uh, you know, for many people who don't journal, I think it gives you a little glimmer into that, you know, not every day is like, oh my God, profound thought. Let me, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I felt it was really important to see the like arguments. I mean, I had like, I had, I was mad at the way some of this stuff was coming down. And I was like, 
you know, God, I'm pissed off at you. Why is it this happening this way? And, um, I shameful and hateful towards my body. And some of that, I felt like it was really important to see for other women to have those. I'm sure we've all put that down in writing somewhere, but on the flip side of it, I've used my journal so often over the last 20 years to understand my own brain, my, um, how I think, why I think this way, unpacking emotions and why I feel them and the various flavors of, you know, going from resentment to anger and being able to differentiate, understand the differences. Um, I thought it was really important to share that. And one of my advanced readers, she was like, I love this. I love everything you've put into it. Your journaling is intimidating to me. So she's like, my suggestion is like, put something somewhere in here that states yours doesn't have to look this intense or yours doesn't, right. your journal doesn't have to look like this. This is just as a professional writer. Um, I, I use words. I put them somewhere. Right, Journaling exactly. isn't something I've always done. So yeah. Yeah. It's not for everybody. But yeah. Journaling is me. not for everybody, but yeah, I, I, for me, it helps me organize my thoughts. And I was not, I was, I was literally forced into journaling and I had a, a a coach early on that she, she's like, Kim, she's like, even if you write down, I hate Adriana for making me do this 10 times. So <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you're going to sit for 15 minutes and she's like, just write. And now it's something I absolutely uh, adore doing, but I was a reluctant uh, journaler. Um, so this has been fabulous. I, I you know, we yeah, touched on all, all the points so about boundaries and, and success. Her book is coming out um her, her, her book is out um, at the time of this recording. So please go to Amazon wherever you buy your books and make sure you get yourself a copy of it. It's absolutely fabulous. But before okay. I let any of my, my um, guests go, I asked them one question. Okay. What makes you feel magical? Magical. I love that word. Um, honestly, this, this book, putting this yeah. out into the world having the guts and the courage to see this through feels mm. magical. Even, I don't know, do you use video? Yep. So even in the, my oh. designer. Is that glitter? But, yes. <laughs> so it's like um, the, this is the kind the enough is pink glitter, rose gold glitter. This was what my wedding dress looked like when I got married on zoom, we carried it through to the chapter headings this is magical for me. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be able to talk about it. So, yeah, I think so many, you know, when I first heard the book was coming out, I was like, I have to get her on the show because I think so many <laughs> people just need to unapologetically let it unapologetically be themselves and unapologetically right. show up that like, you know what, however I show up today, it's enough. How yep. I'm going to show up tomorrow. It's enough. And the next yep. day and the next day and so forth. And so I want to thank you so much for um, sharing your story so many relatable things. <laughs> I think Thanks. so many of, of us totally. have experienced many of the stories that you tell in the book. And so thank you so much for taking the thank time you. to be on the show today. Thank you. You are quite welcome. Thank you for listening to the Fit Girl Magic Podcast. If you've made it this far, yay. I'm thinking you enjoyed the show. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram. You can find me at Kim Jefferson Coach. In order for me to keep sharing this message, do me a favor and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. New episodes are available every Wednesday. 
The Fit Girl Magic Podcast is intended to provide you with tips, tools, and strategies that will help you make better decisions about your health. I really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much. Thank you.